So our first reading is from Revelations, the seventh chapter. And if you would like to follow along, it's printed in the middle of your announcements. In preparation to hear these words, let us turn our hearts in prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning that we might hear a word from you this day. Amen. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship day and night within God's temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Second reading this more this morning comes from the Gospel of St. John, the tenth chapter, verses twenty-two through thirty. So listen now for the word of God for you this day. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the temple authorities gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Abba's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Abba has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Abba's hand. The Abba and I 
are one. May these words illuminate your spirit in our hearts and draw us deeper and deeper into you. Amen. So back in mid-March, I went to Nashville to care for my one-year-old and two-year-old granddaughters so that our son could be with his wife as she gave birth to their son. And yes, those of you who do math, there was three under three. (laughs) I went expecting the chaos that one expects with a one-year-old and two-year-old, particularly when their little worlds have been shaken by things that interrupt norms that are such a comfort to young hearts. And so I went expecting limits to be tested and boundaries to be pushed. That's what kids do. What I did not expect was the way the eldest, absolutely in the grips of the twos, would react to my presence on top of the absence of both her mommy and her daddy. Without the ability to articulate how, unsettling she, how unsettled she was feeling or to name her emotions, the way she decided to let her other grandparents, me, and anyone else who was in the house know how unwelcome this entire situation was, was to refuse to respond when anyone spoke to her. Any attempt at direct conversation was met with a steely stare directly past whomever was speaking to let them know that she had no intention of listening. A little turn up of the nose helped the effect. (laughs) Our scripture today, at its core, is a situation in which Jesus is dealing with very much the same sort of attitude. In fact, most of the conversations attributed to Jesus going back to the beginning of chapter 8, so that's two chapters, begin with some form of, Jesus said to them, again, or again, Jesus spoke to them saying, and he is not alone. Directly before this morning's passage is the story of the man born blind. The crowd hauls him before the Pharisees to testify as to how it is he can now see. He details the events of his encounter with Jesus, but they don't believe him. They call his parents who literally say, he is of age, ask him. The Pharisees call him again, but this time he says to them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Perhaps not the way to make friends and influence people, but just about as clear as my two-year-old granddaughter. 
which leads us to today's gospel reading. Jesus is minding his own business, taking a winter stroll through the temple grounds when the temple authorities surround him, demanding, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus, true to form, answers, I have told you, and you do not believe. There's a lot of this going around today, don't you think? Climate scientists are still battling uphill, even with one million species of plants and animals teetering on the brink of extinction. News is dismissed by half the U.S. population as fake news, while countering arguments are dismissed by the other half. Painstaking investigations are ignored or labeled witch hunts. Human rights have become a political convenience. Social media continues to be polluted by those who intend harm, either to governments or to individuals. The depth of and fallout from corruption appears to be on public display, but with few, if any, consequences. And everyone, everyone is either angry and or frightened. As I was sitting with this scripture, I ran across a footnote at the end of the story of the man born blind. It was a footnote to the sentence where the Pharisees basically banished the now sighted man from his community. This same footnote could be applied, however, to our passage today, for the sentence immediately following our, this morning's passage says, the authorities took up stones again to stone him. The footnote I am referring to says simply, anger usurps reason. Do you agree? Anger usurps reason. We refuse to listen even when we're told. Our positions become more and more hardened until they finally calcify, and those who disagree with us become the enemy whom we would like to either banish from our communities or should the collective mood be bad enough, feel like perhaps stoning, figuratively, of course. And then I began to think about our first reading this morning from the book of Revelation. Revelation is a book of poetry. It is a recorded vision which uses symbolism to make its point. And in the midst of the poetry and the symbolism, we find a most beautiful promise. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them 
to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I began to wonder, what will it take to make this promise a lived reality for us here on earth? Is that even possible? You may have noticed the reference to the four living creatures in this reading. These are the angelic beings that call forth the horses, the four horses of the apocalypse. The white horse is the conqueror. The red horse is the horse of slaughter. The black horse is injustice. And the pale green horse is famine and pestilence. Is this what it must come to? Are we simply doomed to conquer and be conquered, to slaughter and be slaughtered, to continue injustice and to propagate famine and pestilence? Is this why we are here? To watch the planet and all of its inhabitants divide into warring tribes as slaughter, injustice, famine, and pestilence choke off life as God intended it to be. For me personally, and as a Christian, I refuse to accept this outcome. I reject this notion as normative. So if that is the case, what will it take? What will it take for us to drop our stones and say, yes, yes, you have told us, don't leave. Maya Angelou, in a 1973 interview with Bill Moyers, puts it like this. You are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high, she says. The reward is great. In other words, if we can transcend the sense of non-belonging that so terrifies us, we can become one of the sheep that answers the call of the holy that speaks to us. We can sense the guidance of the spirit, and lo and behold, we begin to see God's reflection in those around us, rather than enemies to be defeated, to be slaughtered, or to left to die of famine and pestilence. But how do we get there? And is there any hope of getting there? My friends, I believe there is. I believe it begins as it began with my little two-year-old granddaughter when I finally took her aside 
and listened to her little frightened, lonely heart as she missed her mom and her dad. It is only a beginning, and yes, absolutely, it is much too simplistic. But it holds within it the non-belonging we so resist. Think about it for a moment. What would it have been like if all those parents who bribed all those colleges had listened to who their children really were? Would they have had to let go of who they wanted their children to be? Yes, absolutely. What would it be like if we listened to those at our borders? Would we still be the America that we are told is so under threat? I believe we would. What would it be like, hold on to your seats, what would it be like if we listened to those in our own homes who perhaps don't believe what we believe, even when we've told them our truths? Would they feel honored and heard with our listening? Yes, I think so. Would it cost us our sense of belonging our sense of right and wrong, almost certainly. However, it also might open up for us belonging that we could never even have imagined. Amen.